We're going to have a good time. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming this morning. And as my, my smoking hot wife said, you belong here. Isn't she pretty? Man. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm, we're, we're, we're singing and stuff, but I'm just like, girl, you got it going on. <laughs> man, oh man. I love Jesus. He is so good. He's so real. And he wants to be in your life. Isn't that wonderful? We serve a good God who's not distant. He's for us. He's in us. He's with us. And uh, so if, you're, if this is your first time here this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so honored and thrilled that you came to be part of what we're doing here at Impact Life Church. And like my wife said, we are here all about Jesus. Jesus changed our lives. We're here because of him. We celebrate him. We're all about this man, Jesus, because he changes lives. That's what he does best. And I know he'll do the same thing for you. If you open up your heart to him, he'll come in and he'll, he'll take over. And it's the best thing that you could ever do. Amen? Awesome. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going we're gonna to kick it off here. And before we do this, I just want to pray. Because, you know, just as we were singing uh, that, that song and worship team, you guys did a phenomenal job. I, I love that. You guys did great. Just leading people into the presence of God. But one of the things that I just was thinking about while we were just singing, you know, the psalmist tells us that we can actually feed on the faithfulness of God. Right? Anybody ever heard that term before? You're just you're feeding on His faithfulness. In other words, you're kind of recounting and coming to remembrance again what He has done for you in your entire life. And I was just kind of doing that. As we were just singing that song, I'm free, I'm free, I'm f- free to dance and sing. And I'm just thinking about all the things that He's done in my life. He saved me. When I was going down a certain direction, I was doing my own thing. I was doing life Joel's way. I did it my way. And in all that, <laughs> I know I... My voice, I'm free, I'm going to sing this morning. <laughs> but, uh, man, he met me there, and he showed me his love, and got me back on track. And then on top of that, he filled me with his Holy Spirit. Then on top of that, he forgave every sin that I've ever committed. He made me holy, he made me righteous, and I'm just kind of just feeding on these things. And I have an amazing wife, I got a great family, I got three healthy kids, I got just going over all these things. I got a church family. We, we can serve God in this building that's paid for and that we can rejoice. I'm thankful that we even have heat in here, that we got lights that work. I mean, I'm just thinking, thinking of all this. I'm thankful that I got a winter coat in April. I, I'm just thankful. And in doing that, what I, you're feeding on the faithfulness of God and the only proper response to feeding on that faithfulness is worship. That's the only proper response. It's not like you have to try to figure it out. My response just is, Thank you. And that's the best thing. That's the best place that you and I could ever be into is just come into this place where we fed on that faithfulness. And let me encourage you all throughout your days and your weeks as you're doing life and you're living life, recount his faithfulness to you. What has he done for you? You're alive. Your very breath that you're breathing, it's his breath that's in your lungs. Man, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I got a vehicle that works. Man, I'm just, I'm grateful for it. I, how many of you had a hot shower this morning? Aren't you thankful? Woo! Man, it could go so many different ways, but yet here we are, blessed. Right? It's so easy to look at what you don't have, but let me encourage you, stay focused on what you do have, because in doing so, you're feeding on His faithfulness, and what will that do? It actually will attract favor to you. Right? Everybody wants the favor side of it, but the, the goal in all that is you've got to keep looking at what He's done for you. He is such a good God. Amen? So, Father, we just love you. We thank you so much, again, that we could come into this place to be free in you, to experience your presence, to experience your power. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. 
We're so thankful for that. And Lord, this morning, we just say that our hearts are open to receive from you. Our minds are alert. They're attentive to your word. Jesus, thank you for your word. We're so thankful that your word is what gives us life. Your word is what gives us strength. It gives us health. It gives us clarity and understanding. And we're asking you this morning, Holy Spirit, as you live on the inside of us, you're here right now with us. We honor your presence. We honor you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes to see Jesus. Open up our ears to hear Jesus. Because, Father, our heart's desire is to see Jesus in a greater way. Because it's all about him. We thank you for it, and we ask this. We believe that we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Oh, he's good. Now you're ready. You're expecting it. Man, I'm expecting it. I'm expecting to see Jesus in a greater way than I've ever seen him before. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, and this is, again, I want to just lay a platform this morning as to the coming weeks. I have no idea what's going to happen in the coming weeks, so I'm just going to be honest. I'm just doing all this in faith, just going, okay, Lord, we're... Where do you want me? You kind of caught me in a mid-change. I'm kind of in like a mid-change in my life. Things are changing in me. And in doing so, I think that's a good place to catch me. And I think it's a good place to catch everybody. We should always be changing, always be growing into more and more like him. So I'm kind of caught in mid-change. So, hey, hey, good morning. All right. And uh, this, but this year, the Lord gave us this single word for the church family here, and it's the word decontaminate. And what does decontaminate mean? I don't know. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm glad you didn't know. It's to remove dangerous substances from an area. Now, for example, everybody, anybody ever come in contact with a contaminated water? Right? What, how did that feel for you? Not good. What did that do to you? <laughs> Talk about Pepto-Bismol or something, right? It did something, but contaminated water, man, it, there's, it messes something up on the inside. Well, what the Lord said to us in His words were, I am exposing blockages and clutter through clarity of my word and a yielding to my Holy Spirit so that you can walk closer with Him. This whole year has been a decontaminating year for the purpose of getting some detox, getting some thoughts, getting some maybe traditional thinking that we've kept for so long out so that we can experience God in a greater measure, see Him in our lives in a greater measure. And that's why this whole thing that we're talking about is why isn't it working? People have asked that question. People have said, man, I've been, I've been praying. I've been confessing the word. I've been rejoicing. I've been singing. But why isn't it working? And that's what we want to address this morning and these coming weeks is just to answer that question. Why, why am I not seeing the results that I'm supposed to be seeing in my life? And that's hence the word I believe the Lord gave us is to decontaminate. Cool? Okay. So Colossians 1.28, and this is the scripture that the Lord led us to. But this is profound. And I, I'm, I'm seeing it more and more as I read it. So this is Paul telling and kind of catching a mid-sentence. We're telling others about Christ. And I just love that beginning of it. Another translation is King James Version. It says, Him we preach. Him we proclaim. Now for you and I as believers, as Christians, we got to talk about Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. We don't want to preach just our church. We don't want to preach just about opinions. We want to preach about the high thought of the day. We need to talk about Christ. Right? I mean, you can hear a lot of opinions out there. You can go on Facebook and get all the opinions you want. But church folk, we got to talk about Christ. We need to talk about Jesus because he's the whole deal. And he says, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us, we want to present them, talking about people, to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. Everything about this walk with God, everything about your life has to do with this last sentence is 
is that you be perfect in your relationship with Christ. And I'm going to just jump right away and just say the sentence. Every issue that mankind faces is because there's a part of our relationship with Christ that has not been developed. That's all that it is. I got a problem in my family. Okay, that may be a fruit of something, but the, the real root of that is there's a problem, there's an issue with your relationship with Christ that's not connected quite yet. I'm experiencing sickness in my body constantly. Have you been brought into a perfect relationship with Christ regarding that yet? Because a lot of times people take different aspects and different concepts of biblical teaching. You can take healing, you can take prosperity, joy, all these things. And you can study the topic, but listen, when you talk about Christ, you get the joy. You get peace. And you, of course, you can do an in-depth study and all these things, but don't leave out the relationship aspect of it. Faith isn't a one step, two step, three step. It's a living relationship you have with someone. And a lot of times people ask, why isn't it working? I've done the formulas. I've prayed. I've confessed. I read. I pray. I worship. I go to church. I tithe. I do all these things. But why isn't it working? It's because you're working at it even from a step-by-step program. That's not what this is. It's a relationship. What's he talking to you about? What's he saying to you? How are you responding to it? And so that's what we want to kind of talk about this whole thing about. That's okay with you? Okay. So, and as, I mean, as believers, I don't know about you. Oh, before I go on to there. So how are we going to decontaminate? And so the Lord just told us is we got to get back to the raw basics of the truth in God's word. And by the grace of God, make the proper changes. A profession that is mastered and done well is the result of mastering the basics. Anybody ever learned that even in the natural realm? I mean, sports is kind of my background, so that's my thinking in that. But we would do practice after practice, practice after practice. We would do the basics over and over and over again. Seeing in the games, we would win. How come? It's because those basics were laid continuously. It's passing. It's pass and move. It's being on your toes. It's communication. It's all these simple things that people go, oh, don't you just kick a ball in soccer? I know some of you thinking that. I know. I, I, I can feel it. Soccer, you bunch of sissy sports. I, I feel that. But no, there's more to it than just kicking a ball and running around tutti-frutti, all right? There's more to it than that. <laughs> I'm, uh, this is a good opportunity to talk about that. All right, yeah. Especially, I guess there's some British folk in the house. I've got to talk about this properly because, you know, it's football. Yeah, don't mess around with that. But there's different aspects. There's different mindsets and thoughts with that. So you've got to get the basics down. And I just, I took this quote from a, he was a teacher. And he said, one of the reasons people fail to learn quickly is that they don't build a solid enough foundation. They cripple their progress by forcing themselves to move past concepts they haven't yet mastered. If you can't get an A grade in arithmetic, you shouldn't progress to algebra. If you do, then you'll be crippled trying to learn calculus. Now, I haven't even tried going into those areas yet in my life. But he said, master the basics first. No matter how long it takes, Earn your A in every single basic skill before you move on to advanced skills. This is the fastest way to learn in the long run. Earn the right to graduate through each step from novice to intermediate to expert. So what we're doing is how do we decontaminate is we got to understand the raw basics of what the gospel is all about, what this relationship is all about. So that's what we're going to go into. Cool? Awesome. All right. Now, as believers, there is so much more in life than just missing hell. There's got to be. There's got to be more to it. Christianity isn't here to help us cope with life's problems. I don't know how many times I've heard that over and over and just even my conversations with people and they go, oh, you're a religious person. It's just a crutch for you guys. No, 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 no. You missed the whole point. This, this ain't a crutch. 
This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is how we not just, you know, win in life a little bit. This is how we overcome and people attracted to that overcoming going, I want what they got. Hey, come join the flock. This is what Jesus is all about. Jesus paid way too high of a price for you just to be okay. How are you doing in life? Okay. I'm just okay. And that's usually the typical answer. How are things going? All right. It, that's so, it's okay that you're there, but Jesus paid two of a price for you just to stay there. He wants to bring you up. And all that, again, goes back to our perfect relationship with Christ. That's what it goes back to. So everything is founded, I believe, that Colossians 1.28. We want to present everyone perfect in their relationship with Christ. In other words, don't get scared of the word perfect. It just means to be mature. Right? To have a living relationship. I know how he works. We know how one another work. And that's vital. And I believe that for this church. I want that for this church family. Not just to be barely making it in life. But listen, imagine what God can do with an overcoming group of people. There's about, what, 200 people here that can do more exceedingly abundantly. They can ask or think according to the power that's working in them. God's able to turn a city around. He's able to turn a region around. He's able to turn your family around just through you. So don't be satisfied with where you're at. I'll have a good relationship with Christ. You know, we go to church. I see him once a week. It's great. Let it be more than that. Don't act as if he's some distant family member. Oh, I'll see him for Easter. I'll see him at Christmas. No, no, no. Man, let it be real. Let him come into your life. Let it change you. And this is one of the scriptures we used as well. as Romans 2, 4 in the message. It says, God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear that phrase thrown out so much. Oh, man, lives are being changed. Are they? Like, it, it's good. You can preach the gospel. You can hear all that. But when you actually see a life being changed is when you actually see a relationship being strengthened between God and his, and his family, between God and an individual. That's when you see, start seeing lives being changed. Right? We're okay this morning? Okay, I'm just making sure. So again, I want to just clearly lay this out. Why isn't it working? Every issue mankind faces is because there's a part of our relationship with Christ that hasn't been fully developed yet. So here's the good news. We're on our way. Say it, I'm on my way. Man, that's where we're heading. That's where we're going. So I want to just lay out a couple of scriptures for you, just talking about the will of God for you in my life. And in Psalm 91, I'm going to just read to you about three verses from it. And uh, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, Psalm 91, verse 14. And if you got your, your Bible app, the U version, they actually just added a download to it called the Passion Translation. Let me encourage you, read that one. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And I'm going to read to you from verse 14 through 16, just in the Passion Translation. And those of you that have no idea what I'm just talking about, on your phone, there's an app called the Bible app that you can download for free. And it gives you... A, a ton of translations. It gives you all the types that you need. But they have on there the Passion Translation. And that's what I'm going to read from. It says, verse 14, For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover. Now notice these next verses. that If you don't have it here, I'll just read it to you. But God says, I will. Say, I will. I will. Don't you love those words? When God says, I will. What is, what, what is that talk? That's covenant. That's covenant conversation. I will do something. And you can guarantee this, that God will always do His part. He has never failed yet. He can't. It's not even in His nature. You can't spell God, F-A-I-L. It doesn't work. He said, I will greatly protect you. Next, He says, I will set you in a high place 
safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and I will find and or sorry, and you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied. Say, I'm going to be satisfied. This is God's promise. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that you that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. What's God's will for you and I? That you be satisfied with life. Other translations that you live full, satisfying days. Fully satisfied. That's His desire. That's His will for you in my life, is that you live a satisfied life, and He is going to now show you His salvation. Remember, what does salvation mean again? Remember those nine words? Anybody remember what they are? I don't remember. That was last month. All right. (coughs) Deliverance, safety, soundness, wholeness, health, prosperity, victory, rescue. Oh, there's two deliverances. That's why. Two deliverances. But man, those eight words. So he wants to show you this salvation. Hello. So if you're not satisfied with life yet, well, let me encourage you. Now is a perfect time to start. And you do that by coming into, again, a fellowship, a relationship with Jesus. He wants to show that to you. Right? I'm going to just lay out a couple of scriptures, laying a foundation again about what God wants to do in your and my life. Jeremiah 29, 11, probably the most quoted scripture after John 3, 16. But don't let that become familiar to you. Listen to this. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, plans, are they future or past? They're future. So what is on God's mind right now? Your future. That's what he's thinking about. Says the Lord, they are plans for... Come on, say it. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They're not for disaster. So if you were to like, kind of open up God's mind and see what he's thinking and see what he's seeing about me and just if I kind of put on God's glasses and looked at my life, when he sees my life, he sees no disaster in it. we got to get that mindset. People think God is doing stuff to them. That's not who God is. God is only good. And I'll show you that in our next verse. He is a good God. So when he looks at you, here's plans for good. And then he says, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Man, that's delicious. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. John 10, verse 10. <coughs> Excuse me. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What does that look like? What does the satisfied life look like? Some of you, I mean, some of we don't even really know. What is this? I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. Don't be content with where you're at. My bills are paid. I'm okay. Think beyond that. Think about paying off your block. Think about those things. There's more in store than just, oh, I'm doing okay with what I'm at. I mean, I'm healthy today. Things are going good. Think future. Think beyond that. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What does it look like for you? Got to get that vision. What what is God putting in your heart? What do you see yourself doing? Because whatever it is, it's to be rich and it's to be satisfying. I'm going to give it to you from the Passion Translation again. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. So in the thief we know is to be the, the devil, the enemy, what he's out here doing. 
He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter. And he wants to destroy. But Jesus said, I love this, but I. So yeah, the thief wants to do what? Steal, slaughter, destroy. But I. So meaning, man, his but I is stronger than anything that stinker wants to do. But I came to give you everything in abundance. Everything in abundance. What does everything mean? Everything. We've heard that. But do we believe that? I came to give you everything in abundance. Somebody tell me, what's, what's get, name off a thing of the everything. Yeah, I got a roof over my head. What else? Somebody shout it out to me. What's going on? Peace. Wisdom. Peace. He came to give that to you in abundance. abundance. Yeah. Not just barely enough. I just want to be smart, just, just enough smart. He wants to give you above and beyond smarts. Why? He needs you to be that way. I don't only believe that God wants me to prosper, but he also needs me to prosper. He needs me to. Why? So that he can establish his covenant here on the earth. Got to develop this thinking. This is what Jesus came to do. So if you're living a little less than a satisfied life, don't be sappy with that. Don't be okay with that. There is so much more. Right? He said, I came to give you everything in abundance. And then he goes on to say, more than you expect. Then he goes on to say, life in its fullness until you overflow. Do you actually know when ministry or life really is started living? In overflow. I notice that for myself is that I can't preach to you from the bottom of the barrel. I give to you what's in abundance, what's coming out of me. That's the, oh, that's really when ministry starts. That's when you're able to give of yourself and when it comes out of you because there's too much, you're just spilling over. A lot of people are just scraping the bottom. I'm going to just kind of find some little bit of encouragement today. Oh, God. And they're just scraping this thing. And Jesus is like, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life till you overflow in it. Anyways, we're supposed to just get happy about that. But we'll do that a little later. Okay. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus said by his, or Peter said, by his divine power, God's divine power, God has given us... Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by what? By coming to know Him. Oh, I prayed for that stuff and I'm hoping it's coming. No, 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 no. We, we missed it. We're praying to get stuff. And meanwhile, God's saying, it comes by knowing Him. Lord, I'm just asking for this in my life. I need more peace. I need more favor. I need this in my life. I, I want all this. It says, it comes by knowing him when you know him all these things you already have all these things what is he trying to do in coming to know him you actually start to realize what you already have am i making sense is this okay is this bible okay <laughs> okay it says we have received all this by coming to know him the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence so those are things that god wants to do in your and my life and those are great we can shout about that but I also want you to turn to John chapter 14 for a sec. I do not have this on the screen, so I apologize. But I also want to show you a few things that he wants to do through you. Because it's great that, yeah, what God wants to bring to our life, and we can shout about that. People have heard that. Yeah, that's delicious. It's exciting. It's good. Woo! But now there's also some things that he wants to do through you. John 14, verse 12. We know these scriptures. Jesus said, 
I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Then verse 13, he goes on to say, Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Can you guys go click on that one there? And yeah, next one. Hold on. Verse 14, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What did Jesus say he's going to do? Whatever you ask in his name, he'll what? He'll do it. Okay, do I believe that? I know, like this is, a, this is something that I did for myself. Okay, I believe that, but I'm not seeing the results that I'm supposed to be seeing. Why am I not seeing that? And so this is where the Lord brought me back to this. He said, Joel, you're trying to produce fruit outside of abiding in me. It's impossible. We're saying in Jesus' name, I'm expecting this, I'm declaring this, I'm speaking health over this, and I'm declaring over this. In Jesus' name, how come I'm not seeing the results in it? Right? That's what I want to answer. That's what I'm after is closing the gap between what I say and what I see. Because what I say and what I see are supposed to be happening. So that's what I want to address. Okay? Okay. Next verse is John chapter 15 and verse 7. Just turn a page over. Again, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, what did he say? Ask for anything you want and what? And it may happen. No, it says what? And it will be granted. He said this. Does Jesus lie? Has he ever told a lie? No, is he over-exaggerating here a little bit? Is he just saying this, you know, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm not going to see you guys for a little while. So disciples, I'm going to just give you a little encouraging word that, you know, whatever you ask for in my name, I'm going to do it for you. Just I'm going to do it for you. Just to kind of keep them, keep their hopes alive a little bit while he's on the cross. No, he said this because it's absolute truth. Just as much as John 3, 16, it's the same thing with this. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Do you believe that? that it's, it's huge. This is, this is big. This is what change everything. It's more than just playing church and doing churchy things. I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to see. That's the way, that's the name of the game. That's how this thing is supposed to be happening in my life. Why? Because I'm created in the image of God. And how, who is God? God is a creator. When you see it in Genesis 1, every time God said something, He saw something. He said, light be, light was. People be, people were. Animals be, animals were. Man, he uses his words. So I need to be seeing the same thing in my life. But again, apart from him, apart from a relationship with him, I am not a producer. I'm not, I am not the creator. I'm made in his image. So if I'm disconnected from the creator, my words will mean nothing and do nothing. You can confess all you want, but if you're apart from the creator, you will see nothing. Praise the Lord. I know this isn't a running around type of a church meeting, but this, this will get you running around when you start seeing it in your life. Okay. Oh, man. So we know this, that we are all called to be in a relationship with Jesus. How many of you heard that before? I think every message I have ever preached always has something about this in it. We are called to be in a relationship with Jesus. Now, just like every relationship in my life, currently in my life, if I don't know the nature of that relationship, it will be dysfunctional. 
I got people in my life, I got people around me that are strategically put there by God that I need in my life. Now let me just ask you this. Have you ever tried to get something from an individual that they couldn't give to you? Or have you ever tried to give something to someone who can't receive from you? <laughs> and what happened? What did that leave you with? Frustrated. Right? You're trying to get something from someone. They, they can't give it. You get irked. Or you're trying to pour into someone who's not receiving it. You get frustrated. And you know why? It's because you're not understanding the nature of that relationship. Either on your end or on that individual's end. You have to know what is the purpose of this relationship. And that's a big learning curve for a lot of people. Right? Even how we communicate and how we intervene with God. What's, our, what's, our, what's the nature of this relationship? Right? The same thing with my wife. I need Jamie in my life. Because if I don't properly understand the nature of that relationship, I can actually wreck it or not take full advantage of what she's supposed to be in my life. What do I need? I need her voice. I need her thoughts. I need her ideas. Because it's, she sees things that I do not see. Lord, I'm like, how are you seeing that? I, what? But listen, if I, if I choose to ignore that, if I choose not to take advantage of that whole thing, I actually can wreck or stifle that relationship. Same with even people in this church. There's people strategically placed here, but if you don't actually get the time to spend to know that individual, there could be somebody in there that will help you get to the next place in your life. Your relationships are vital. They're huge. So who's around you? Who's speaking into your life? Who's, who are you speaking into? Who's speaking into you? It's vital. we got to know those things. And so when you come in contact with people, it's vital. If you can say, this is the nature of our relationship. This is who you are to me, and this is what I'm supposed to be receiving from you. If you could understand that, you would not be disappointed. Right? It would be very helpful. But this is the one question I wanted to ask, and I ask myself this, is why did Jesus come? Why did he come to this earth? Because if I'm not clear on why he came, then the, our, the, our relationship will be dysfunctional to some degree. And a lot of times you see people have a dis functional relationship with Jesus, even though they're Christians, they're born again, they had, they had this reconciliation, I came to Jesus and I got born again, I got saved, it's been glorious. But after that, it's a continual part of it. I, I gotta learn this. Is he just, is he just you know, part of my Sunday routine? Or is he actually the Lord of my life? What does that look like? What does that mean? And I wanna read you a couple of things just, just for our enjoyment here. But one of the things I just had to ask myself was, do I look to Jesus just for comfort. A lot of people do. And I mean, is Jesus the comforter? Absolutely. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. But when you see Jesus coming to this earth, He didn't come just to comfort. He actually came to confront dysfunction and you're in my life. That's why He came. He came to confront. Every time you see Him having a conversation with the Pharisees and the religious rulers, He came to, dis to confront the systems and operations of how those people were operating because it was cutting them off from the life of God. You see him, you hypocrites. He constantly said this, but because the Pharisees at that time did not understand how that relationship worked, so they killed him eventually. <laughs> right? But you look at they didn't understand the, the purpose of that relationship, so they got offended every time he opened his mouth. Listen, if you don't understand the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, you'll get offended. Why? Because look at this, Matthew 10.34. All right, are you ready? <laughs> this is Jesus' words. The words are red. Well, on the screen, they're black. But in my Bible, they're red. He's speaking. He said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah. 
Other translation, I believe it's in Luke chapter 12, he said, I actually came to bring division. What? He said, what? This is why Jesus came, is to confront dysfunction in your and my life. You know what it is? How come so, uh, man, I wish I was so and so. Man, they're so well, they're so far in their relationship with God. All that that really is, is that God has had an open door to confront the dysfunction in their life. Think about this. We're all in the same boat, but God is no respecter of people. Right? He loves me just as much as he loves you. He loves you just as much as he loves me. Nothing changes in that way. We're all equal in that sense. But what has happened is some people have opened themselves up and saying, Lord, what do I need change? You, you can, there's something that's going on in my life that's not right. What do I need to change? And he just comes in and he reveals it to you. It's glorious. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. And it hurts so good. Because what it do? It's confronting dysfunction. It's a way of thinking. Listen, there may be some thinking that you got that you got to get rid of. But you have to be open to it. Oh, I just like the way that I'm living. Fine, then just continue living that way. God still loves you. Nothing, that will never change. But he's not able to take you any further because you've just closed yourself off. And I'll show you a scripture to prove that in a little bit. But this is why Jesus came. But then Jesus also said this statement, and I love this, in John 8, 12. He said, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So what's he saying? What does light do? Light confronts. Right? It exposes darkness. In John chapter 1 and verse 5, look at this here. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what does light do? It comes in and it totally interrupts what darkness is trying to do. Go to John chapter 3. i got a, another verse for you. John 3, verse 18. Are you there? Yep. Nobody there? Yep. All right. Three people are there, so you can... Okay, they're on the screen. There you go, for the rest of us. So this is what... This is Jesus going on to say right after, for God so loved the world that He gave. He says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. Isn't that good news? How many of you believed in Jesus? Now what does it say? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. But he says, But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were all evil, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. That's the whole reason. So why do people not enjoy the light? Why do they not want to embrace Jesus? It's because what it does is light confronts. Now, how many of you ever had to come to terms with that going, okay, I, I actually, I, I don't have this all together. Anybody? Should be everybody in this room. <laughs> right? So at that point, we had a decision to make. To got to go, ah, no, nah, Jesus, I, I don't want that. And continue living in darkness, or I'm going to embrace the light. Because every time that Jesus comes in, I, I want to just give you a different picture of Jesus a little bit. Because a lot of people have this concept and this mindset of who Jesus is and the, what he's supposed to be in their life. That every time I have a problem, I can just run to him and he'll just fix all my problems just if, if I just pray hard enough. No, no, no. He wants to confront so that you don't keep running into that same problem. 
Right? He's not going to just, just keep letting you run into the same problem week in, week out, having the same relationship issues, having the same job issues, having the same financial issues over and over and over and over again. He wants to confront that so that you can live a completely different life. Anybody ever get stuck in sin? All of a sudden you, you find yourself, man, I'm never going to do that again. I'm so done and you got this willpower to never do this thing again. Only about a month later, rats, did it again. Lord, I'm so sorry. He, he forgives you, absolutely. But now he wants to confront that so that he can bring about a change. So that you're not still stuck in the same boat over time. Isn't that good news? That's part of the gospel. That's one of the wonderful things about him. Is because he knows what will make you the rich and satisfying life. He wants to get you there. But in order to get you there, it's not just some kind of random sovereign act that he does. What? No. It's going to be you and I carrying out in obedience to what he's told us to do. Right? Okay, another, another verse just to prove that it's scriptural. <laughs> but the word of God is light. You know, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 105... It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now we kind of, the way that I always view this is like, I kind of got a little flashlight in my steps in front of me and the word of God is just lighting my path. It's also, it's, that's true, but it's also an inner light. He's revealing light on the inside of me to guide my feet, to show me the path that I need to be on, on the inside. Right? The next verse is verse 130. It says, the teaching of your word does what? Gives light. What does the word of God supposed to do in your in my life? Give light. And it says, so even the simple can understand. So there is no excuse why well, I'm just not edumacated. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it says even the simple can understand it. Right? But his word gives light. I mean, part of the scriptures, I don't know about you, but times when I've read the Bible, I've actually been uncomfortable. Why is that? It's because there's something in me that needs to change. And so I'll just kind of give you a little window into my own personal life. I have now for probably a little over a month, I've been meeting with a coach on a regular basis. And the reason I'm meeting with this coach is just for some personal things that I'm just trying to get some answers to, just a, some insight into why are some things going the way that I had originally planned or even intended for it to go. And man, he's been just enlightening me through the Word of God, just sharing some things with me through his personal experiences, through what the Lord's taught him and showed him. And what that's done on the inside of me, it, I, I need this relationship. I'm, again, I'm looking at what is the nature of this relationship. I'm there to learn. <laughs> Not trying to teach the class. Right? You get a lot of people that just want to go in and teach everywhere. Sometimes you got to be the student. Right? Sometimes you got to be the teacher. Depends on the setting. Anyway, this guy's just talking and speaking into my life. And one of the windows that he shed light and showed into me was that, Joel, you actually don't know how to take a Sabbath. You don't know how to rest. I says, pardon? Now, it's, a, it's, a, it's an online call, so I can't go through the screen and headbutt him or anything. But uh, what, are you, what are you talking about, man? No, but he said that. And the other thing was, Joel, you also need to learn how to celebrate a little bit more. I says, pardon? <laughs> what are you talking about? And one of the things that he said just about Sabbath was just learning, taking a time to rest. And then this, this gentleman is in the States and he said, one of the biggest reasons, this is his personal opinion. He said, I believe one of the, my opinions, why the United States is in financial debt the way that it is, why people are so stressed out the way that they are, is because people do not know how to rest. They have gotten away from how God intended life to be. Christians are working three, four, five jobs trying to make things work, trying to be their own God. 
trying to make things happen, trying to get this. I'm, I, I got to provide for this. You are not the creator. You are the creation. When you get in line, you got to understand this. You are not God. Who am I? I am his child. So now, how does this relationship work? He provides, I receive. That's the way it's supposed to be done. And we're going to get into this as the weeks go on. But he's a provider for my life. Who am I then? Receiver. Now, the moment that I try to switch the roles and I try to be the provider, I will be burnt out. I will be frustrated and I'll be asking, why isn't this working? And your prayers will sound something like this. God, I just, I need this to happen. I need this financial increase or I need this healing in my body. Why isn't it working? People get frustrated because they're acting as God. They don't think that they are, but in reality, you think you are. <sighs> the next thing he told me was learning to celebrate. Learn to celebrate. Enjoy life. One of the greatest things that my wife has just recently done for me, when I had some things that I got to do work-wise and I'm kind of all over the place, and I got an hour and a half to go to the gym. And I said, you know what, Jim, I'm going to just quickly go to the gym. She sends me a text and goes, enjoy, in caps, enjoy the gym. Because oh. I don't know about you, but for myself personally, I feel bad taking any kind of leisure time for myself. Sure. I should be doing something. I should be meeting. I should be prepping. I should be doing something. No, 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 no. You have to, you're here to enjoy life. Think about it. Genesis chapter one. What did the garden look like? What did Adam and Eve do with all their time? What did they do? They enjoyed life. Think about it. They had a perfect place to live. They had the perfect mate. <laughs> they had the perfect job. And they were naked. <laughs> Think about it. They had the whole thing going on. <laughs> what messed the whole thing up? The fall of man. But then Jesus came to redeem man. So we're back in that same boat. But we have to now again learn how to live life pre-fall. What's it look like? Enjoy. Enjoy your spouse. When's the last time you had fun with her? This was correction to me. Because, man, for the most time, Jamie and I, we work our butts off. We do day and night, night and day. Church this, church that. And for a while, we're like, hey, we're done. Shh, stop. Kids in this. Like, we're not even having a good time because we're talking about this situation. And meanwhile, our kids are here. I'm like, enjoy my children. I helped create you. I'm going to enjoy you. <laughs> man, so it just it's a whole different mindset. And even going that... I'm going to enjoy this life. I'm going to enjoy pastoring. I'm going to enjoy leading and being led. I have to enjoy it. If not, I'm screwed. Y'all are screwed. <laughs> so that's why I went this. I'm just, not that there's like this crazy thing going wrong, but I just said, Lord, there's some things that just need a little, little tweaking, a little straightening out. What's going on? And this is the way that, you know, the Lord does this. So how does Jesus confront dysfunction in my life? He does it through reconciliation. This message of reconciliation is huge. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, Paul says this, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. Anybody enjoying that new life yet? <laughs> All right. And he says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Last verse. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now we know this, there's I believe three parts of reconciliation that the church really knows and talks about, but I believe there's also a fourth one that we kind of neglected. Now one of the things that I believe is, I mean first and foremost, number one is getting people back into a relationship with God. Woo! To enjoy that, you have that relationship. But it shouldn't just stop there. Because a lot of times what happens is we can actually create religious people out of a reconciliation message. Okay, come, come back to God. And now we're part of the church and now people are getting involved in church and they're doing this, but they're not actually enjoying their life yet. Yeah, I'm saved and this is good. This is all glorious. But how come I'm still thinking these thoughts? How come I'm still experiencing the same way that life had kind of been before? Right? There's more to it than just, okay, get born again. There's more. Right? Second thing is now getting people or reconciling people back to each other. Right? This relationship, it's again with one another. You know what I think is amazing? Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, I believe it is. God said, to, God said it is not good for man to be alone. So I kind of just challenged my thinking a little bit. You know these songs? All I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord. That's actually not true. If I just have Jesus, I'm good. That's actually not true because it's not biblical. What else do I need? I need you. Because God is going to use you to speak into my life. God is going to use you to bless my life and vice versa. I have Jamie in my life. I need her voice in my life. And a lot of times when I, I think, okay, I'm going to just go spend some time in prayer and I need an answer from you, Lord. And all along, it was in my wife the entire time. And I'm going, what? Oh, yeah, that, that's what I need. That's exactly what I needed. And she's talking answers to me. The Lord is using His body to communicate and talk to one another. So the worst thing that you can do is exclude yourself from the body. That's why He says don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Especially as that day comes close. We need each other's voices in our life. Why? Because it's God speaking through you. It's God speaking through me to you in my life. We need that. So that's number two. <laughs> I'm okay, really. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just really excited about this because I think this is going to be an answer for a lot of people. It's our, it's Jamie and my, it's our desire that people get it. It's more than just, you know, talking about some Jesus that's out there. No, we want them in real life, real time, seeing real results. Number three is reconcile people to holiness and living a pure life, right? We, we talk about that. We know that. But the last thing I want to make mention of is actually coming back to life the life that God created you to live. We have to reconcile people back to the life that they were created to live. Come back a little bit. Come back into it a little bit. And I want to just show you this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have it on the screen, so turn there with me. But you and I, we got born again. So being born again, do you know what I mean by that term, born again? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got reconciled back to God. You're now in His family. Now, just because you're in his family doesn't mean you know how to live as a part of the family. Right? You got to learn. I mean, I got three kids right now. I'm training our oldest boy right now what it's like to be in my family. What does it look like? How do we talk to one another? Do we slap each other? Do we hit each other? No! Only during wrestling time do we do that. <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs> but we're learning how to be a family in this. 
Okay, you got to bring your bring your dishes over. This this is what the family does. I'm not going to pay you to bring your dish to the sink. This is part of the, get going. We're we're learning all this, right? The same way in the family of God. You got born again. You're in the family of God. Now that does not mean you know how the family operates. So we have to come back to the life that God created us to live, and that's what it is. You have to be constantly reconciled back to God. Something a bit off. Okay, I got to get re- I got to just reconcile on this a little bit. Lord, how how, how do you do this? How, how do you talk? How am I supposed to talk to your daughter, my wife? How, how does that work? Right? Because as, as far as we know, we do what we've seen. That's the kind of beings that we are. Right? But Ephesians 4, verse 17 and 18. <clears throat> this is Paul speaking. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he says, with the Lord's authority, verse 17. I say this. Live no longer... As the Gentiles do. Now, what are the Gentiles? The world, non-Christians. Don't live as they do anymore, for they are hopelessly confused. Then he says, and he gives us an insight as to why they're hopelessly confused. What is it? Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. Because they have closed their minds. So here, this is the key. They've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Is it possible as a Christian to have a closed mind and a hard heart? Yes, absolutely. So i got to encourage you, if you're wanting to come back into this reconciliation thing, you have got to open up your mind. Think about it. Judas walked with Jesus for three and a half years And God himself couldn't even help him. Think about that. The man saw the miracles. Not only that, the man did miracles. Hello, are you you hearing that? Not only did he see Jesus do what he did, but also Judas was involved doing the miracles. And yet still, he didn't see Jesus. (laughs) Why? Right here. Because he had a closed mind and a hard heart. So this has been my prayer. Not, Lord, I need all these stuff fixed in my life. It's, Lord, I want a soft heart towards you. I want a tender heart towards you. And that's been my prayer. Psalm 139, verse 24. Lord, here's my heart. Open up my heart. Show me if there's anything in my heart that might go against your word. That's why you see David. He was called what? A man after God's heart. He was so willing to change anything in his life. You know, after he screwed up and had, you know, he did, committed adultery, then he killed the guy that, you know, remember that whole kerfuffle that he got into? Pretty big, pretty nasty little situation. And in that moment, when the, the prophet Nathan approached him on it, he didn't go, oh man, well, I was just bored and she was, who bathes on a roof, honestly? <laughs> right? He didn't try defending himself right away. He turned and said, Lord, I sinned against you. He was so open and so willing, God was able to not only use this man, but establish his throne forever. The Messiah came through his line because of his heart. So I don't know about you, but that has turned my crank right on. That's saying, Lord, more than anything, I don't want just all this stuff. I want a heart that is soft towards you, that's pliable for you. Because when you have that, you can do anything with it. He's able to get anything to you because my heart is perfect towards him. So the last, last sentence, and then we'll, we'll stop. <clears throat> it says, We must be reconciled to life the way that God created it to work. 
So it's not a I can't get it to work issue. It's I need to come back to the way life was created issue. Why isn't this working? If you've ever asked that question before, it's not that that's the issue. The issue is I need to go back to the way life was created to be lived and I need to get back and start from there. That has absolutely radically encouraged my life where I'm at right now. I'm turned on to this. Because what happened is, changed, like I've, as I told you about a couple of months ago in February, I was just having some, man, something going on on the inside of me. Something's just not right. And I've been kind of irked by it going, what's, what's going on? And so what I did, I just, I went after the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm just, I'm not going to even talk about all the fruit of like the frustration, the thing that's coming off me. What's going on here, Lord? What, what, what's, what's going on? And then just having that conversation, what happened? He has reconciled me back to his heart. And the first thing that he told me and the first thing that he showed me, guess what? He wanted to show me how much he loved me. That's where the whole thing began. And now it has opened up my heart. Because now, as we saw in Romans 2.4, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. You don't just repent one. I have to repent constantly. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. That's not the way that life... I'm sorry about that. Show me. How, how is life supposed to be? And how do you get to that place? It's seeing his kindness. You know, just when I... Aaron, you want to come up for a sec? I remember the... Just in turning 30... Uh, this last October, uh, one of the things the Lord said to me uh, is, Joel, just this 30th year, I'm going to show you how much of a dad I really am to you. And, I mean, I'm sitting in Tim Hortons bawling my face off because he told me that while I'm drinking French vanilla. <laughs> vanilla Francais, por favor. But, uh, <laughs> but that was one of the first things that he said. And he led me to some of these scriptures in First John, just revealing how much of his love that he has towards me. So he wants to reconcile you this morning. If there's things in your life that are a bit off, don't go, oh man, I got to fix this. I got No, 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 no. Stop trying to fix it. That's not your job. You're not the fixer. What do you need to do? You need to respond to the call of reconciliation. He wants to show you what life is like again. Because for me, for a long, for, this is for a while, I mean, I didn't know how to celebrate. I didn't, in some points, like when I had a, a small victory, maybe in, in my job and in in career-wise, or able to, seen a good result take place, I didn't know how to even to rejoice in those little things. I go, oh, there's got to be more. There's got to be the next thing. I'm not even enjoying the simple things now. And the way that he showed that to me was just because of this message of reconciliation. Coming back to him, letting him speak into my life again. And in doing so, man, what freedom there is. What joy there is because it's no longer am I focusing on the fruit that's coming out of my life. I'm not focusing on this relationship I have with him. And that fruit will just have to automatically change. I'm not going to try to pop out good works. It doesn't work that way. Do you see a tree like an apple tree just... Apple! Do you see... Do you ever see that? I know it kind of sounds whatever the way you want to say that, but... Sometimes Christians just look like they're constipated. I'm trying to walk in love. I love you. And they're trying to stir up some kind of thing. And meanwhile, like, man, just take some Pepto-Bismol and you'll be fine. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and what that is, is you just come back into fellowship, into reconciliation with him. This message that we pronounce, come back to God. And the result is the fruit just automatically changes. Isn't that wonderful? 
man, I'm not the fruit, I'm not trying to produce fruit. It comes off me, but he, I'm connected to the vine, and the vine really is the source that produces it all. And here's my love, here's my joy. I'm not mad at my wife anymore. I'm not mad at my kids anymore. It's just coming off me. And here the love of God, because it's changed me from the inside out. See, because the moment you start thinking, I gotta change the fruit, you're actually, you know what? You're a religious thinker. You are religious. And you gotta change that thinking. God does not work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. And that's what this whole thing is all about. Cool? So we're gonna have a good series. We're gonna have a good time. Let's all stand up together.